get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope. Brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here are your hosts, Terry and Kristen. And welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, July 12th. I'm Terry Arango with my guest, Jane Casey. Jane is the author of Eat It and Beat It, Getting Over Autism. Jane is also a kitchen consultant, conference presenter, and mom to two sons who've traveled forward on the road of recovery. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Terry. Jane, first of all, can you please describe what a kitchen consultant is? Well, that that title is a, a self-made title of someone who, at age five, I became pretty obsessed with food. And like my sister says, she'd rather shop for clothes. I'd rather go to a, a clothing or a food store and look at different foods, just the colors. The whole thing excites me. So really what that encompasses is healing techniques and making things that seem really hard, simple and fun in the kitchen. Okay. And let's talk about your boys. How did your boys journey to an autism diagnosis? So I'm going to try not to cry during this part because just discussing all this stuff brings up a lot of emotions, and I'm sure anyone with a child on the spectrum understands where I'm coming from. But my kids were born nine weeks premature, and they had a multitude of health issues. One was reflux, which meant they couldn't suck, swallow, and breathe correctly. So they had a tube up their nose. Um, for quite a while after they were born, and then they never really quite developed that that reflex or that that digestive that we all have. And a lot of that stuff happens when you're born at term, when you come through the vaginal womb, and it's just normal part of delivery and um, the child going forward. So they were already kind of at risk. I felt like for some things that could sort of trigger it. I, I not knowing autism, but now knowing all the things that I know now. And there, you know, there was, I feel like the thing that was the tipping point for us was the vaccine for our kids. And it, immediately afterwards, after a certain series of vaccines, the kids were different. There was no eye contact. It also seemed like they were deaf. Um, they had dark circles under their eyes. Their bellies were huge. You know, they would be out in the sun, but they wouldn't tan, even without sunscreen. All this stuff just didn't add up, but... You know, we didn't know what autism was at that point. So that was back in 2001. And we had someone come from early intervention, which was the state that we were in, one of the services provided for the state when your child is, like, not developing normally. And I remember one of my kids was not walking either, and I didn't really – I knew it was troubling the fact that they weren't looking at me. And so the developmental therapist that came, she just – she suggested before she even suggested getting a diagnosis that I look into – um, the gluten casein free diet. And so that was one of the first things that we did. Um, and then later we did get the diagnosis of PDD NOS, NOS, which is pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified, which I think is basically a warm and fuzzy for autism when the doctor doesn't want to tell you that it's autism. Right. Um, yeah, a consultant when my son was young, um, told me that getting a diagnosis of uh, PDD, NOS, uh, wasn't necessarily, you know, quantifiably better than getting a diagnosis of ASD, uh, mm-hmm. autism. 
Right. You know, you could have severe PDD and have what they would term mild autism or or such. But uh, yeah, you know, exactly. It's a a spectrum disorder, and uh, to, it's necessary for us to look at the underlying physiological reasons for why the child, any individual, is having challenges. So let's backtrack a little bit. You were talking about uh, you thought the tipping point was vaccines, but some people say that that is a coincidence of timing insofar as the developmental journey of when the onset is. But in your book, you describe a really dramatic uh, onset or dramatic events after vaccines. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I don't buy, Terry, I don't buy into the fact, granted vaccines may not contribute to every child going down the path of autism, but I wholeheartedly believe it's the tipping point for many kids. And regardless, it's like it was significant within 12 hours. My kids were different. The one went into the hospital, and then the other one, like the next day, his eye contact was different. Like he was just, he was just spacey. It was almost like he was just high on something, you know, there was no connect between he and I at that point. And I just remember feeling like I'm in an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I can't put my finger on this, but this does not feel right at all. It's that mommy intuition that we have in our gut, and it is never wrong. All right. Well, what happened to to give you the mind shift to the idea that autism could be treatable and curable? You know, Okay, first thing I have to say, thank goodness for the Internet, because I'm not sure what any of us would do without it, but um, without it, I think what happened to me, and I don't remember exactly what article it was, I just, probably like all of us, spent thousands of hours on the Internet searching for things, and I remember coming across some article about the GI tract, and it didn't even have anything to do with autism. I don't even remember the article. I wish I could recall what it was. And I think at that point... There was something in me that just made me really angry about the situation. I, I cried, to back up for a minute, the first year after the diagnosis, I basically cried and hid for a year. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was just sick to my stomach. And then I think you move through the great the um, stages of grief, and then I just got angry, and I was like, they are going to recover, and they are going to get better, because no one could answer any questions. No one could give me any hope. Even the therapists that we had at that time that were coming in, there was not one positive thing that anyone said, so I thought, I guess it's up to me. And I think like anyone who just, you decide you're going to do something, and no matter what, I mean, miracles happen all the time. So I just definitively decided they're going to recover, no matter what, period. So, I mean, we did some really off-the-wall weird stuff, but some of that stuff is the stuff that worked the best. So I think it was just, you know, a mindset that I, I will not be defeated. And knowing what my kids were like before this happened, I knew I could get them back. I just knew it. So I don't know that was one single thing, but just all of that together. I I think we really need to qualify for listeners the terminology, the technical terminology, off the wall and weird. And just to (laughs) say that there are are interventions that can be done um, safely and economically with appropriate medical oversight, but that are not um, necessarily, quote-unquote, accepted in a widespread manner by mainstream medicine. Uh, And, you know, Jane, you're describing some things that other parents go through with justifiable frustration or anger. You know, this was a preventable epidemic, preventable epidemic, um, in that a lot of people feel that um, an environmental trigger, one of the major causal reasons for the epidemic, was um, were issues to do with vaccine components. Um, and then there's all the frustration of trying to get services, uh, appropriate services for children to move them forward. And so parents go through a lot of anger and frustration. But mm-hmm. what you're also alluding to is the fact that um, our children are very much here and present and alive and are a joy, um, a joy yes. to be enjoyed. So, um, and any parent would, um, there's, there are some misconceptions out there that if we're trying to 
quote-unquote, cure our children and move them forward that we don't love and accept them, but we do. We do love them and accept them, and any parent, even of a neurotypical child, would want their child to be the best that they could be. They'd give them piano lessons. They'd send them to the best schools. To, to, they'd sign them up for baseball to make them be the best that they can be. So loving and accepting your child and trying to help them with legitimate physiological conditions, like if they had cancer, they're not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think the thing is, too, is it's like you can love your child and you can have fun with your child, but, again, it doesn't mean that you give up on the underlying health issues that's going on with your child. And there are two schools of thought on some of this autism, like, you know, that these kids are a gift, that they're indigo kids, that they're, like, from somewhere else and that they're spiritual and just leave them alone and love them. I, I agree with the, you know, leave them alone, or not leave them alone, but love them for who they are. Focus on the positive. Know that they'll get better, but continue to work on it. And that, this is my thrust, is it's like I want people to be where I'm at, to get where I'm at quicker with their kids, and to not spend the money that I spent. And that is the gift that I want to share. It's like I really believe, like, what Autism One supports, too, like Autism on a budget. It should be a budget. budget. This should be a gift that we're, share, we're able to share with one another. Our kids are our future, and it's like they're very important. It's like so whatever we can do to help each other out, it's like it, I feel it's a duty that we need to do that because we can make another person's um, journey much easier. Right, and your book gives a lot of helpful um, tips about this, especially about helping with uh, different dietary measures. Where can people get this book, Eat It and Beat It, Getting Over Autism? Well, the easiest place to go, because then they can read some dietary information and blog stuff, is my website, which is janecaseyskitchen.com. And there's a link on there to click on and buy the book. The book is $14.95. There is a click on there button that you can email and you can call me, too. So... You know, I'm open as much as I can be with information, and everything I do at this point is, is available. You can read on the blog recipes and different ideas of people that I've used for healing. There's a, um, some good, concrete, affordable things that you can do to see some good results, I believe. All right, and with that, we'll go to break at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymetica, makers of fine digestive enzymes. We'll be right back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope. 
with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, it's Terry. I'm back with Jane Casey, author of Eat It and Beat It, Getting Over Autism. Jane, did you start out with educational therapy, dietary therapy, or both together for your sons? Well, as I mentioned before, my my children were premature, so I had the state come in, which is called early intervention as a division of the state, to evaluate why, why one son wasn't walking and why he was spinning objects for 10 hours a day. <laughs> So we started with that to look at what was going on, and then it was during one of the visits that the developmental therapist came that she said, I think you should look into the gluten-free, casein-free diet. It's worked for a lot of kids like yours without saying anything about the possibility that my kids could be on the autistic spectrum. So I did both of those together um, for a while, and then about two years into it, then we started to do um, biomedical therapy. We we went to Dr. Usman, um, this physician who's in Chicago, and did blood work and looked at some of the metabolic, metabolic issues that were going on with the children. And then at that point, we started to add some supplements in, and we, we were gluten-free, casein-free. I started to add in cosiver oil and... Um, just some different fats, just but basically gluten-free, casein-free. The kids were not really necessarily on a healthy gluten-free, casein-free diet. I hadn't figured that out yet, but we were, we definitely noticed a difference as soon as we pulled out the gluten. Like the kids were more engaged. My one son started looking at us. Um, the diarrhea and constipation went away, um, and the therapy helped. But really, the diet was the piece that made everything fit together. So is that what you feel is the most important piece of the journey towards recovery? Yes. I think, you know, the belly rules the mind. So if you think of this, your digestive tract is referred to as your second brain. And your neurotransmitters are all in your your digestive tract. So um, the stimulation of those, the neurotransmitters are the different um, brain chemicals in your brain, if you will. So if your gut is messed up and you're not digesting foods and you're not feeling healthy, well, your brain is going to be a little wacky too. So I'm convinced that the core of recovery is really a good, solid diet. And with that, the therapies that you do just will work succinctly. And that's what we found is that we were blown away by how quickly we were able to get the kids to sort of start responding to things. After you started diet or after you started diet plus additional biomedical measures or? Diet plus biomedical, but diet initially was a huge, huge thrust for us and continued, you know, continued to be, you know, as I went down my path. And we'll talk about it more about some of the other things that we did. But, yeah, definitely the diet, the therapy, and then the biomed. But diet, 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 yes. (laughs) What if someone's child is a picky eater? Well, okay, so picky eaters, uh, that is that is one of the subjects that I get all the time from different moms because they'll say, my kid won't eat it, there's no way he'll do that, he won't even look at it, he'll throw up and run out of the room. Well, I went through that with both of my kids, and so I have my strategies, but I'll tell you the strategies that are available as well that are um, accessible. And the first one is, uh, at Autism One in May, there was a phenomenal um, feeding and food, uh, feeding and swallowing specialist. And I believe he's on your website. Um, his name is Anastasio. So it was May 25th at 2.30, if anybody wants to go look at that. It's amazing what someone can do to help your kid get, eat anything. So, and there's also an article in the Autism File or Autism Mothers or, uh, Magazine, Summer 2011, Issue 40, on picky eaters that I just saw. But for us, it was the introduction of coconut kefir, um, which is a lacto-fermented drink, which I can talk about a little bit later. But definitely those two, the feeding specialists, I think could help. And just the fact of believing that your kid will eat it. But you have to try this several times. And it's also part of it is the way that the parent perceives it. If they think the kid's not going to eat it, guess what's going to happen? But if they believe that they will get their child to eat it no matter what, and it may not be the very first time, their child will eat it. And I know Betsy Hicks also has a book out now um, to address picky eaters, and um, people could look that up. Jane, is there a federal law for special needs foods at school? What about school? Yeah, so I'm going to read this out of my book because it's easier for me to read. So it's page 57 in my book, and hang on while I flip to that page. 
So, okay, this is under school, and it says federal law says that public schools must provide nutritional meals that fit the diet while the children are on campus at no additional cost to families. You must have your doctor write out a letter that insists your child's allergies and include it in the medical section of the Individual Education Plan, or the IEP. The school must create meals to accommodate those allergies while you may assist them if you wish. You are not obligated to provide, provide the food or help the school shop for food. So there is a link on the bottom of this page, but it's, um, I'm not sure that I can read the whole thing out. I can post this on my website later, the link for this. Okay. Very good. But just to let parents know that there is a law, it's really important, and that um, if your child has medical reasons for being on a therapeutic diet, um, that your child has the rights to have those foods while at school. Let's talk about alkalinity. That is, okay. I feel, really an underserved topic, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't even be called an alkaline diet because it's just so common sense, but yeah. what is how did that even get lost? But what is alkalinity in its role? <laughs> well, the um, and I'm going to talk, this is in Chapter 8 of my book. It's called, this is the first step that I kind of talk about, alkalizing the body. And so our bodies have an acid-alkaline balance, and um, certain functions in the body only occur at a certain level or acidity. So most enzymes and chemical reactions in the body work best at a particular pH, which is 7.4, which is slightly alkaline. And if you want to test alkalinity, you can go get pH strips at, like, Walgreens and have your kid pee on it. But really, I'm going to give you some tips to do that, and you don't need to buy those strips. But, um, you know, what we do is in the morning when we first get up, we have a couple of drinks that we drink. And one is a lemon honey cleanse, which is like a, which is a glass of filtered water, a tablespoon of raw honey, and then a tablespoon of fresh lemon or lime. Lemon or lime are acidic until they're ingested, and then they become alkaline. So one of the main reasons that you want to drink this is it's like the example of a refrigerator. You, you want to, it's like um, your body is, like the refrigerator. So you're kind of like cleaning up the refrigerator, but before you put the fresh fruits and vegetables in there, you want to take the things that smell. And so whatever you ingested the day before, your liver detoxes from like 4 in the morning till 10 in the morning. So by drinking this thing, these drinks first thing in the morning, you're giving it like a cleanse or a flush, and it's an easy, inexpensive way to just get your body alkaline from the first thing in the morning. And in your book, which um, recipes do you provide? So there's two different recipes, and I think I have these on my website, and if not, I can put them up. But, you know, the one I mentioned, which is the lemon honey cleanse, the one I just mentioned. Right. The other one is Bragg's Organic Raw Apple Cider Vinegar, and you can use that and raw honey and water and stir that together and mix. The cool thing about this Bragg's Raw Apple Cider Vinegar is it's the raw form of EDTA. And what EDTA is, which without getting into scientific terms, it basically binds to metals. So we all have some metals present in our body. So it's a natural, inexpensive way to detox your body. It, and it tastes good, too, actually. Yeah, I know. And it's great <laughs> salad dressing. And, I mean, I love it, so I like tart things. Yeah, it it would sound like maybe it wasn't so yummy, but I would take this and um, the apple cider vinegar and put it just put it in some water and drink it, and um, it really tastes quite pleasant. It's really simple to do. Yeah, and I've actually been able to help a few of my friends get off Prilosec just by doing this drink, like a little bit before they eat. And it's amazing, like because you know obviously anything natural is better for your body, so. Um, that's an idea, too, if any of you guys are on that stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If we talk about produce helping people get off of prescriptions, uh, people are going to come down on the fruit industry. Um, let's talk about produce. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to start patenting. Patenting apples. I need more coffee. Okay. Um, no, that's acetic. Be right back. Um, what's the most important thing about buying and preparing produce? And produce is really important in becoming alkaline again. Yeah, produce is really important. Um, there's a couple things. I mean, 
there is a list called the Dirty Dozen, and I think you can just do, you know, Google DirtyDozen.com. And what that list is, is it's the top um, dozen, but they go on farther than just a dozen. I think they list the first 100. Fruits and vegetables that are the most heavily sprayed with pesticides. And pesticides screw up all sorts of bodily functions. So obviously if they're killing bugs, why would they be good for humans? But that's a whole other story. So I have two pages listed in my book, or again, you can Google Dirty Dozen and find out what fruits and vegetables you should buy organic, definitely like the top 15. The top five dirtiest fruits are peaches, apples, sweet bell peppers, celery, and nectarines, and strawberries. And on the flip side, the cleanest are onions, avocados, pineapples, mangoes, asparagus, kiwi, and bananas. So when you're even buying organic fruits and vegetables, you should definitely wash them off in some kind of a vegetable wash. I use that Bragg's apple cider vinegar. It's um, Organic stuff is great, but, again, someone's handled your vegetables and fruit, and you want to just make sure that you wash them off with that. Put it in a salad spinner, soak it for five minutes, and then just rinse it off real good. All right, very good. And um, just to save um, listeners from ending up finding, you know, Clint Eastwood the way I was when I looked up Dirty Dozen or whoever that actor was, this is easily accessible on the Environmental Working Group's uh, website, which I believe is www.ewg.org. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about um finding good organic uh, fruits and vegetables and alkalinity. and But what happens in, about finding alternative foods, good-tasting alternative foods? Okay. So on that same vein, of just we'll start with fruits and vegetables. So there's a website called localharvest.org slash CSA, or you can just do localharvest.org. It's going to give you a list of um, local farms in the area that grow according to their organic. And I believe on that website, it might give you some ideas of where you can buy some grass-fed meat or some other things that are um, healthier than what you find at a regular grocery store. So any health food store, you know, if you're looking for, for alternatives, you know, gluten-free and casein-free foods, Definitely any health food store. I know like in um, Illinois, there's a great health food store there called Fruitful Yield that has like outstanding stuff. Um, Obviously, Whole Foods. I know here we have a couple co-ops. We have like the Alberta Co-op in Portland, which is like amazing. And all of the people that work at these places are so in tune with food and recipes and what you can do. And it's like you just need to start asking questions and, you know, um, even on, like, the Autism One website, there might be information. Terry could probably answer that um, better than I can. So, Well, Jane, when we come back from break, we'll talk about gluten-free and casein-free and gluten-free casein-free foods and gluten-free casein-free soy-free foods and where we can um, obtain some of those. So we will be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Jane Casey, author of Eat It and Beat It, Getting Over Autism. And thank you to our Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back after I have had some more coffee. (laughs) Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com to perform at your maximum potential you need to have all aspects of your life working properly 
On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Are you living your vital life? One that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential, with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, it's Terry, and I'm here with Jane Casey, the author of Eat It and Beat It, Getting Over Autism. Her website is janecaseyskitchen.com, and you can obtain a copy of her book through there. I have gone off, and instead of having coffee, I have had a wonderful alkaline green smoothie, <laughs> and I hope that that, uh, that helps me articulate better. So we're back, and we're going to be talking about the rationale for removing casein and gluten, and Jane, why is that? Why should parents go through this on behalf of their children? Well, first I'll give you my personal opinion, and then I'll give you some of the scientific information that I know. First of all, I don't think wheat or gluten is good for anybody, period. And, you know, I just see it, it, I could go on forever, but I'll give you, I'll read a little bit out of the book of what I can explain. Um, first of all, what are casein and gluten? And casein is the protein that's found in dairy products. So like cow, sheep, goat milk, um, it's one of the most difficult proteins for the body to break down. So for some people, they don't have, they have the absence of a certain type of enzyme um, that's missing. And then gluten is the protein that's found in wheat, um, rye, spelt, barley, and oats. It's not present in rice, excuse me, amaranth, quinoa, or corn. So a large percentage of the American population has a deficiency of an enzyme called DPP4. And when that enzyme is not available to do its job, its main job is breaking down gluten. And when gluten is only partially broken down, it becomes what's called peptides. And these peptides actually get into the bloodstream. Well, food is not supposed to get into the bloodstream. So what happens is these kids act spacey or somewhat intoxicated. And then it's just, it goes on to do more than that, but basically it causes what's called leaky gut. So when the gut is damaged, the nutrients aren't absorbed, and the kids look malnourished. They're pale and sick. I can tell you most kids who have not, um, again, gluten and casein-free is not for everyone, so I'm talking about how this has affected our family. But with both of my kids, they had, like, African, you know, these poor children in Africa who are malnourished. They had these huge bellies, and they were just, they just looked sick. Like, again, they had those dark circles under their eyes, and they didn't tan in the summer. We alternated between constipation and diarrhea, and, you know, it was just not a good thing. So when we removed both of those things, I mean, immediately I saw a reaction in my one son. Like, we got eye contact back right away. He started to engage more. He was responsive. The other one, we didn't see so much of a change, but then when we had a refraction or a mistake, if you will, where he ate gluten, then we saw all sorts of yucky behavior. And that's when we went, okay, this is seriously, there's a, there's a correlation between these two. So there's, it's a really easy thing to implement. Again, it's mind over matter. But, you know, removing gluten casein can be, I, it can be life-altering for some children. You know, it's different for every, 
for every child, but I would definitely say do your research. There's tons of research on the Autism Research Institute website from different parents talking about the improvement they've seen with their kids. And I want to quote it as like 88% of the families interviewed, they saw a huge dramatic um, increase in many functions of their child. So, and the other thing is my kids started to sleep through the night and the head banging that my one kid had started to go away. So those were the things that we noticed. Um, Coming up in the um, the next issue of Autism Science Digest, which you can find on the Autism One website uh, to to subscribe, there there will be um, some just wonderful information, and there are many studies that um, you know validate what you are saying, Jane. Um, the usefulness of um, removing certain components uh, from the diet in order to um, help affect gut healing. And um, I, I think now there's even a connection between cerebral, uh, if, if a child has cerebral folate deficiency, why it's a good idea to get out the dairy. So, um, you know, this kind of information you can find in Autism Science Digest. And you've talked about taking out the gluten and taking out the casein. And a lot of times when we use um, foods that are alternatives, we add in the soy. And what's your take on that? Well, okay, so I want to read what I have about soy in here, too. <laughs> soy, I have one comment about it, one word, oi, is what I would say. <laughs> it's like, it's such a misunderstood um, food in our country, so I'll just read on page 96 what I've wrote, written. Soy is another confusion, source of confusion for most people. It's good for you, it's not good for you. It's only good if it's in liquid form. The Japanese eat it, so it must be good for you, Right. The average consumption of soy in Japan and China is 10 grams, which is about two teaspoons per day. It's mainly used as a condiment, not as a replacement for animal foods. It contains a trypsin inhibitors that resist protein digestion and affect the pancreas. It also increases the body's requirement for vitamin D. The only real way to get the benefits from soy is by fermentation in foods such as tempeh, which is, I'll explain that in a minute, miso soup and natto. Um, None of these which are, like, important right now to add into your child's diet. But tempeh is like a fermented soybean. It almost looks like tofu, but it's actually been fermented. So um, the process of fermentation breaks down the sugars and starches and the enzyme inhibitors and makes the actual soy bioavailable and easy to digest. And, again, it needs to be organic soy. So most soy is, um, yeah, just avoid it. Leave it at that. Okay, so I'll be looking for your next book, Soy Oi. And, I know. <laughs> you've, you've talked about fermented. You've mentioned the word fermented. What's the difference? Is there a good fermented, a bad fermented? There's fermented, there's lacto-fermented. So that's another one that I think if you don't understand what that is, you don't really know, and most doctors will say, or I shouldn't say doctors, but people will say avoid fermented food. And fermented is different in the fact that think, fermented are like pickles that you buy in the grocery store. They've been pasteurized. Or sauerkraut that you buy in the grocery store. It's been pasteurized and heated. The difference, so all of the good beneficial enzymes and probiotics are not present because they've been basically heated out of the food. So with lacto-fermented, what lacto-fermented means is it's the actual good bacteria, um, lactobacillus, that is present in food and so when you ferment these foods, and I can talk a little bit more about this, they're, they're basically lacto-fermented foods are raw living organisms full of naturally healthy bacteria. The name lacto stands for lactobacillus, which is one of the good bacteria in your digestive tract. Um, lacto-fermented foods transform nutrients and make minerals more bioavailable and easier to digest. So there's a couple different things that, that these foods do. They help build the immune system which 70% is in your digestive tract. They also help you detoxify, and they also support your liver. So they help you digest your food. It's a great way to get um, just some good fruits and vegetables, not fruits, but vegetables um, into your body. So that's basically what it is. And it's a, um, one last note on that. From what I've read, in order for pro- probiotics to, quote, unquote, grow in the gut, it needs lactic acid. And lactic acid is found in dairy products, which you want to avoid, or lacto-fermented foods. 
And most kids on the spectrum do not have lactic acid in their system. And therefore, it's really beneficial to add these lacto-fermented foods in there because they, they quote-unquote, activate and help the good bacteria grow, which is what you want to do. Okay, so what, what did you see with your kids? What kind of enzymes and probiotics did you use for your kids, and what did you say? Well, what we did, when we started, there were two different brands that I like, and, you know, still often use, but not a lot of, um, for enzymes. So one is Enzymatica, and the other is um, Houston Enzymes. And so those were, those were the first two things we started with. And then we were making coconut kefir, which I learned that process out of the book Body Ecology Diet by Donna Gates. And that is what that is, is they're young or white coconuts that you open up and you ferment the water. And the water in those coconuts, actually, they use that in Germany. Um, we found some information. My husband speaks fluent German. So we found something on a German website about how they use that when they're doing dental extractions for people who have um, metal amalgams in their mouth to help um, pull it out. So that was part of the thing that I was like, okay, let's try this and see if it works. And what we noticed when we started with both of those things is my kids started to sleep through the night and they started to dress themselves independently. And then my one son, I have twins, so the one was always ahead of the other one by like six months. And the one who was behind in his development, I remember one day I said, go get, him, go get your socks. Well, he couldn't do anything independent at that point. He ran and got his socks and I'm like, I almost like fell over because it's like, you know how many times you prompt your child and you try to teach them and you go hand over hand and just the things that you try to get them to follow through and just the basic skills of life. But that was, like, huge for me. So at that point, then I became just obsessed with good bacteria in general. And I started to, I won't get into all of this, but I pretty much fermented everything in my kitchen with different probiotics. And it was just a gas because it was just this gurgling science experiment. And I was seeing the kids get better and better. And every time I would give them something like this, because I'm sure some of the listeners are going, my kids won't eat this. I would say, I'm giving this to you to heal your stomach so you can talk and you will feel better and you can play with your brother and play with your friends at school. And so when my kids recovered, it was like years later that my son would said, oh, remember when you told me blah, 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 blah. So that is one of the other things I want to stress. It's always explain to your children why you're doing what you're doing. Because just because they're not speaking out loud, they're there and they hear you. All right. That's awesome information, Jane. And we will be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. 
The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with your host, Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 1 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here are Terry and Kristen. Hi, we're back with Jane High Casey, the uh, author of Eat It and Beat It, Getting Over Autism. Jane, you also used certain fats and oils, and what were they and why were they more healthy? Um, I'm going to quote a couple other things about out of the book about that. So adding in good fats, essential oils, and I'm going to throw in unrefined sea salt because they're kind of all combined together. So another key part that we found in healing the digestive tract of our kids was um, in the type of butter, oil, and fats that we used. And saturated fats make up 50% of our cell membranes and 60% of our brain. So the thing is most people hear the word like trans fats with the word saturated fats after that, and the two things are completely unrelated. And saturated fats, they enhance the immune system. They're necessary for proper proper utilization of essential fatty acids and the body can't make essential fatty acids so essential fatty acids are like cod liver oil um, or fish oil but the oils that we use primarily we do not use any vegetable oils except for olive oil and we don't heat it so what happens with those oils is that once you heat them over medium low uh, they become rancid and your body can't digest them in particular I would avoid canola safflower and sunflower if you can um, if not, you know, try to buy organic. But again, the heating process is, is very difficult on those oils and very hard on your digestive system. So the oils to use in place of that, and what we do are coconut oil, which is really great for cooking. And there's a website, tropicaltraditions.com, that has phenomenal um, information as well as they have like coconut, like five different types of coconut oil. One actually doesn't have the taste of coconut oil in it, so you can cook Italian food in it and it's not going to taste like that. They also carry um, organic red palm oil, which is another oil we use, and that's extremely high in beta carotene, which is the precursor to vitamin A. And most of our kids need vitamin A. We all need vitamin A for that matter. And then liver oil is one of the oils that you need, it's an excellent source of vitamin D. It helps build strong bones and all those oils together. I think those are what we use for um, calcium instead of, you know, we don't obviously use milk. But vitamin D and the sources of those oils together, I think, will do more for calcium and growth in your body than dairy products will. And did you try, um, since we're running out of time here, did you also try any detoxification measures with your so, I'll run through that really quick. Yeah, I forgot the sea salt part, but anyway, so about detoxification, we used Dr. Usman's biofilm protocol, and um, I can't explain that over the phone. That's something that you have to have a doctor show you how to do it. It's um, very easy to do. We also used glutathione cream, and glutathione is your liver's most important detoxifier. Most of our kids are low in it. And also a product called Modiflan, which is a seaweed that was created by the scientists after the Chernobyl disaster, and it binds to heavy metals, um, as well as we did three IV chelations with Dr. Uzma's office. So all of the detoxification that we've done is really through the food, really, really changing the, the kid's diet. Oh, that's that's just really excellent. So you started um, the journey, and where are you now? 
Well, I'm going to read, I'm just going to recap like then and now. So 2001 then, at age two and a half, my kids were not speaking and had poor eye contact. One child would continuously spin objects or frantically chase a piece of paper that was blowing in the wind. My other child would stay frozen in one place and appear to be completely oblivious to what was happening around him. Their language consisted of grunting sounds, banging heads, tantrums, and comatose-like behavior. Now to, now we're at 2011. At age 12, both are extremely verbal and socially engaged. They have a variety of interests and vocabulary at times that amazes me. Both are in sixth grade where Alec excels in math and science and Jack in art and social studies. They are healthy, fit, active, and have a great sense of humor. What a difference. Well, that's just excellent. And, you know, you really advocated for your children, and you did it with joy. And yeah, that, not at the beginning, but I guess that's probably the one takeaway message that I would say is our ABA specialist that we worked with, she said, always think positive and give positive options to your kids. And my thing is always believe that your child would get better and do not give up. You're going to fall down, but just get back up. It's never going to be perfect, but it's just continuing to, as I say, throw your heart over like, and your body will follow. Just go for it. Jane, what are some resources in addition to your book that listeners should be looking for? So, obviously, Autism One has got some amazing things. One of the things that helped me, this is unrelated to autism, but related to healing, is this book from the 50s called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. It has completely changed my life. Um, the website nourishinghope.com, which is Julie Matthews, a nutritionist in San Francisco, which is phenomenal. That's probably one of the best food sites. And another site, which is called specialeats.com, which is Susan Bess's website. She's been um, head chef for Autism One, and she's tremendous as well. Absolutely. We also, um, did you mention Sally Fallon's book? Oh, I didn't. I mentioned it in the book. So there's a book called Nourishing Traditions, and that is, I have about 100 cookbooks, but that's the one I usually go and defer to. I don't use it a whole lot anymore because I probably memorized the entire book, but a lot of the information that I shared today is in that book. Um, that's the core of how we started to do a lot of stuff. There's lacto-fermented recipes in there. It's a little overwhelming because it's about six or 700 pages. But just reading through the first 10 pages gives you a completely different insight to food in general. It's really uplifting and great information in there. Oh, wonderful. Well, Jane, thank you for sharing your information with us today and bringing us back to a common sense uh, way of thinking about food and how it can help heal our kids. Yeah, thank you, Terry. I really appreciate being able to share all my information. <laughs> and again, your book can be obtained at? Um, janecaseyskitchen.com, and there's a click-on link that'll take you to where you can purchase it. Okay, very good. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget about the National Autism Conference, November 10th through 13th in beautiful Tampa, St. Pete, Florida. Please visit www.nationalautismconference.org, and thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, makers of fine digestive enzymes. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. For more information, go to autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga and Kristen Selby Gonzalez.